0: like us to turn this morning to Paul's epistle to the Romans and chapter 16, Paul's epistle to the Romans and the 16th chapter, and we're reading this morning from verses 3 to the beginning of verse 5. Romans chapter 16, verse 3 to the beginning of verse 5, greet Priscilla and Aquila. My helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise greet the church that is in their house. This morning we're thinking about this subject of a devoted couple, a couple devoted to the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, immediately, I don't want those of you young people or those older ones that are not married to turn off your antennae this morning, but here is instruction for us in their life. We want to learn something from the life of this couple who had consecrated themselves by the grace of God, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses this term "helpers in Christ Jesus. And that's a question for us as we begin this morning. Are we helpers to the work of Jesus Christ? And it's so such a joy to see so many of you here and the work going on here at Bedford. But we can all, as individual members, uh, ask this question, are we helpers, are we labourers, assisting the work of the gospel for the glory of our glorious Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? The more we think of him, the more we want to be helpers, labourers, longing to serve him why he went up to that cross he gave his all in order that we might be saved and so they were called helpers now I remember when I was converted I was just 19 years old and one of the greatest joys was to go into many different Christian homes and to meet different couples and to observe them, and to get to know what it's like to be a Christian husband and to observe uh, the Christian wives. And such a joy, isn't it, in churches to get to know and to observe the life. As I was driving here this morning, I was thinking of three different couples who used to worship here who I loved in the Lord, who are now in glory, and we have fond memories of them. And this is really what we should aspire to be, those who are looked up to as examples to the flock, as those that will encourage the people of God. Well this morning, I want us to look then here in Romans 16. Paul in his closing greetings here in this letter to the Christians in Rome, we find him writing again to Priscilla and her husband Aquila. And he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. This couple, if I was to say to you who was the only woman who was willing to lay down her life for the Apostle Paul, the only woman in the New Testament, Priscilla. And Aquila was willing to lay down his neck for the Apostle Paul. There was only one other man who was willing to lay down his life for Paul, and that was Epaphroditus. This couple were so devoted to Christ, And that's our first point this morning. They were devoted to Christ. And we see there in Acts 18, as we read together, that this couple are introduced to us by the Apostle. How Hel- uh, there we see them uh, in Corinth. All had departed from Athens, but they had come from Rome. All found there in Corinth this certain Jew, verse 2, named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So the question is this, how did Priscilla and Aquila come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the inference is this, that they were living in Rome. Aquila had traveled all the way from Pontius in Turkey, and he'd come down to Rome probably as part of his job as a tent maker, made sure that he traveled far and wide in his trade. And perhaps there it was that he met his wife Priscilla. Possibly she was a Roman. It's thought. And they lived for a time in Rome. But in the providence of God, this man who'd been schooled in the Scriptures, who'd been brought up as a Jew, he was suddenly cast out of Rome. Claudius, the emperor, for whatever reason, it seems that the Jews had fallen out of favor with the emperor. Possibly it's thought that the Jews were so antagonistic to the Christians that the emperor became fed up with them and they had to leave Rome. And so in the providence of God, this couple came to Corinth at the very time that the Apostle Paul came. And that's a wonderful thing. They came to hear of Christ. And it's good for us, isn't it, in times of fellowship, to share our testimonies. How the Lord our God has led us. It's wonderful to meditate, to think about, and to speak of all that the Lord has done for us. Somehow, Priscilla and Aquila came to faith in Christ. And it was such a transformation in their life. They were not the same again, ever again. Their entire life was changed from that moment. And this is the important thing for us to remember this morning, that to become a Christian is to be changed. Lifelong changes. When we come in conversion to Christ, never the same again. A completely different outlook on life, a completely different aim and purpose to our life and they became devoted to Christ. Their whole life was now in the service of Christ and that's the wonderful change that took place. Somehow We're not given the details, but in Corinth. And they became Christians and loved Christ. And so it's good for us to look back, those of us that have come to faith in Christ here this morning, and we say we bless the hand that guided. Yes, Priscilla and Aquila perhaps didn't like being thrown out of Rome and they perhaps thought to themselves, what's happening with my life? Look what's going wrong with all of these oppressions of the Roman emperor. But in the providence of God, they came to know Christ. You this morning may be going through trials. Do you Can you say to yourself, I thank God for those things that I've been through in my life, in days gone by, because they have been proven to me to bring me closer to Christ. And so I can trust him for this next trial, for this heartbreak that I'm going through this morning. I'll bless the hand that guided it. And bless the heart that planned. They were devoted to Christ by the grace of God. But then the second thing we notice about them here this morning is that they were devoted to each other. Six times we find their names in the New Testament, and they're together. Every time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you'll see their names again. Sometimes Priscilla comes first, other times it's Aquila. But always they are spoken of positively. Always with a sense of gratitude for their labour of love for the Lord Jesus Christ In 1 Corinthians 16, you notice there Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. And then in 2 Timothy 4, which is probably the last uh, chronological reference to them, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 19, salute Prisca, uh, that's a shortened version of the name, and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus and so this was a devoted couple to each other and this is a wonderful thing isn't it when we observe Christian husbands and wives to see their love for one another I remember hearing a story of Vernon Hyam and his wife he took her out to a restaurant and he would order from the menu and then she would order from the menu And what he didn't realize is that she would always order the thing that he liked, because he always ordered the thing that he wouldn't probably like. And so she thought ahead of the game, and she thought, I'd better get something that he's going to like, because I know he won't choose the right thing. Husbands and wives, together, loving one another. And what a model of devotedness. Priscilla and Aquila they had a deep spiritual union in Christ and those of us that are husbands here this morning we need to ask ourselves this question do we have do we long for a deepening union in the Lord with our spouse and with Christ and wives also Was Priscilla more gifted? Was she more devoted to the Lord than Aquila? Sometimes, as I say, her name comes first. Was she more zealous than her husband? It's been known, is not it? And maybe you've observed it. The husband may not be quite so zealous as the wife, but whatever we say about this couple, it's clear that they were united together. And young people here this morning, pray for such a union, to be yoked together in the Lord, to love one of the Lord's people. Marry in the Lord. Be determined with the help of God to find somebody who loves Christ. It will bring you immense Joy and blessing to know that you're bound together and can say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You remember Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. We read of them, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. In Ephesians 5, we read, don't we, husbands, love your wives. Love is the bond, the Christian bond, which is called upon Christian husbands and wives. We have a... a, elderly gentleman and his wife at Baldock, and his name is Mr. Peach, he won't mind me mentioning you him this morning, but sometimes when he rings me up, he says, how is she who's crazy about you? And for the first time he said it, I was a bit confused, but then I realised he was talking about my wife. But you see, that was the expectation. He's got such a loving relationship with his wife. And that's the expectation. Christian husbands and Christian wives should love one another, pray together, have the same purpose, the same aim. But as I say, even if we're not married this morning, then we should still seek deeper union with the people of God. They are our best friends. The house of God, the church of God, that's the place where we form those deep ties. We can almost say blood ties because we are bound together with the people of God by the blood and suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were a devoted Couple. Thirdly, we see this morning they were devoted to the growth of the church. We see their occupation as tent makers, they work together and not every husband and wife has the opportunity to work together. Maybe that's a healthy thing in some situations, but where it's possible it can be a mighty blessing. They were very diligent. They prospered. They uh, became fairly well established financially. But they used the increase of their substance for the glory of Christ. That's very clear from everything that we learn about them. Why? You see here in verse 5, Likewise greet the church, that is in their house and everywhere almost we find Priscilla and Aquila mentioned we find a mention of their hospitality they wanted the people of God to come into their home to welcome them because they wanted to grow the Church of Christ they were willing to do anything almost, that Christ may be glorified. And we notice this. Not only was there a church in their house, here they'd been uprooted once, remember, from Rome, now in Corinth. But when the Apostle Paul, later in this chapter, we read of it, how he went from uh, Corinth to Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila were willing to uproot themselves and go with him. Nothing was too much trouble for them. And then when the Apostle Paul left Ephesus, they were willing to stay in Ephesus to establish the work of the church in Ephesus. And then we find... That perhaps at the death of Claudius, they move back to Rome. Because when Paul writes here in Romans, he writes about Priscilla and Aquila. And what do we find? They have another house, church, in Rome. And then later on, when Paul writes uh, to Timothy, we find that they're back in Ephesus. And again, they have a church in their house. The growth of the church. Now we may not have great material possessions. We may not be able to invite people into our homes. But there is something we can do. Whoever we are as believers in Christ. To think about the growth of the church. Some work in the church. They may have been able to live quite well off. But they didn't spend all their days going on holidays and cruises and whatever it might have been. That wasn't the aim and purpose of their life. They used their possessions for Christ. They surrendered their all to Christ. You know, we all need, as believers, to be challenged. In every generation, material things can creep into our hearts. Possessions can be our aim and our purpose. We sang that hymn, the third one there, by a man called Edward Denny. And he's quite an interesting man because he was extremely wealthy. He owned vast lands in Ireland. He never needed to work. And yet he viewed himself as a stranger and a pilgrim because he came to know Christ. And it changed his whole life. Instead of his mother living for herself with all her wealth and luxury of their ancestral home in Ireland, he prayed for his mother's conversion and she was converted. But he says there, in tents we dwell amidst the waste, nor turn aside to Rome in folly's path, nor seek our rest, where Jesus had no home, dead to the world with him who died. To win our hearts, our love, we risen with our risen head, in spirit dwell above. Do we have a loose hold upon the things of this world? Possessions can be such a stumbling block. And a hindrance is the direction, the compass of our life, pointing to Christ. Wherever he goes, I will go. And wherever he leads, I will follow. The hymn writer says, "I would not, with swift-winged zeal on this world's errand, go and labor up the heavenly hill with weary feet and slow. Oh, not for thee, my weak desires, my poorer baser part. Oh, not for thee, my fading fires. The ashes of my heart. Perhaps this morning we have to confess. We've lived our life for the things of this world too much. And the growth of the church of Jesus Christ has suffered. That's a tragedy, isn't it? We went to Northern Ireland last year for a wedding. And they have a beautiful church building, Presbyterian Church. And next to it is a beautiful manse. And we spoke to them and they told us the story. They said, we live in big houses. We said, our pastor needs to live in a house the size of ours because we love him so much. We don't want to be him to be any, in any way hindered in his labor for Christ. And they wanted to demonstrate their love to their pastor in that practical way. Really, the picture is this. They were consecrated to Christ, devoted to his cause. And he says there, Paul, in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. They were devoted to the growth of the church. But then the fourth thing that we notice, they were devoted to the servants of Christ. They attended closely to the labors of the Apostle Paul. He says, my helpers, In Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Such was their affection for the Apostle Paul. They were so committed, so reliable, they could always be trusted To be near his side. Help us. Whatever risk there was to their reputation. Now we don't know. Why the apostle says. In verse 4. That they did lay down their life. Or would have done he means. For him. Perhaps it was. The riot that took place in Ephesus in chapter 19, uh, when the Apostle Paul's life was at risk. But somehow, Paul knew and had great confidence in them. They demonstrated their willingness even to die for the Apostle. Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he say, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And so they came to Paul's defense. And Paul, he labored here in Ephesus for two and a half years. And in 1 Corinthians 16, it says that they helped him much. They were always there, always able to be supportive of him, always willing to do something, to encourage the apostle. And then we notice in chapter 18, Acts 18, verse 26, we see uh, how there was this man, Apollos, that came. And it's interesting to notice how Aquila and Priscilla dealt with him. Such was their love for the servants of God. Wherever they found a minister of Christ, they would support him and encourage him. And Apollos comes. He is an eloquent man, it says there, mighty in the scriptures. It come from the school of Alexandria, where they were renowned for their uh, scholarly uh, understanding of the word of God. And yet he had some deficiency. We're not precisely told what it was. But there was something in his ministry which was a hindrance and was incorrect because it says there that in verse 26, Aquila and Priscilla took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. They expounded to him the doctrines. And he learned from them. This is such a wonderful picture of what they were like as a couple. They didn't collar him at the door of the church and say, you know, Pastor Apollos, there's something very wrong about your doctrine. They took him unto them, probably into their home, probably quietly aside, and they would speak to him. This was their character. What of us, friends? How do we love the servants of Christ? Young men going into the ministry, are we an encouragement to them? What do we say to them? What we do do say to them can, can either be a tremendous help or a tremendous hindrance. You don't see their tears. You don't know the turmoil of mind and heart which they're going through as they labor for the Lord, as they're dealing with all of the the pressures of the evil one upon them as he tries to destroy their labors. But Priscilla and Aquila, they were devoted to the servants of Christ. They saw in the Apostle Paul something of Christ. They loved him, and they wanted to help him in any way they can. And they saw the same in Apollos. He became an eloquent preacher. He became a great man, a great blessing to the church at Corinth. What of us? Have we encouraged the servants of Christ? Have we been a blessing to them? The Apostle says in 1 Thessalonians 5, We beseech you, brethren, know them that labour among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and esteem them very highly, in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves servants of Christ they need to go up in our estimation we need to honour them, pray for them we thank God for your pastor here you can encourage him by being here being a helper Supporting him. He says to himself every day, who is sufficient for these things? To be a preacher of the gospel, to proclaim to dying souls, dying men, the unsearchable riches of Christ. How can he do it? We're not sufficient. Without the prayers, and the support, as Moses discovered there on the mount, as his hands were held up by Aaron and her. only then can Israel prevail. Help us. What are we prepared to do to express our love to Christ? He's done so much for us. What can we do for him in return? What little thing can you do? You think of the woman in the temple, she put in her might, and the Lord noticed. What can you do to help your pastor? We don't know what trials Priscilla and Aquila went through. Every couple, every church member, There will be problems, there will be difficulties, there will be battles, there will be struggles in church life. There will be scars that you might bear. Because you love Christ and you love the gospel and you want his truth to be proclaimed and you're not ashamed of this gospel. And so you must stand firm, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Can your pastor see the depth of your love for Christ because of your loyalty? Priscilla and Aquila, always there. We've just had a little collie puppy added to our family. I don't know how. Suddenly, my son Ben decided to get a puppy. And she is delightful. But what amazes me is her willingness to please. She was far off across the field this morning, and I called her and It was just so exhilarating to watch her excitement. She came across the field up to me. She wanted to be there, by my side. That was Priscilla and Aquila for the apostle. It passeth telling that dear love of thine, my saviour Jesus, yet these lips of mine would fain proclaim to sinners far and near a love which can remove all guilty fear and love beget. Do we have love to our pastor, to our church officers? Can they see in us the love of Christ? But lastly this morning and in closing, Briefly, they were devoted to their brothers and sisters. We see here in uh, Romans 16 and verse 4, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, Do you realise the impact that a couple consecrated to Christ and even an individual believer can have? All the churches of the Gentiles thanked God for this couple. They were zealous. They were giving of themselves. They were profitable. They were a blessing. They were soul winners. They strengthened the weak. They visited the sick. They loved their brothers and sisters in Christ. Ye know that ye have passed from death unto life because ye love the brethren. While well, this morning our time has gone, Christ said, When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? But when saw we thee sick, and in prison, and came unto thee? And the King shall answer, and sound to them, Verily I sound to you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of these, the least, my brethren. ye have done it unto me. May the Lord make us fellow workers, help us. May that be our epitaph of our Christian life. What a epitaph that that will be to bring glory to Christ. Amen.